So welcome to episode six of Coaching Youth Football. I'm very excited today to have Tony Mee with us. Uh, Tony is a UEFA A licensed coach, um, an author and a coach with 20 plus years experience of academy coaching. Currently uh, working as a youth development phase coach at the Doncaster Rovers Academy. So Tony, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much for your time today. Could you kick us off please with a brief overview on how you got into coaching and what your coaching journey looks like so far, please? Hi Mike, uh, thanks for inviting me on, first of all. Um, with regards to my uh, coaching journey, I guess it's a little bit unusual in that I got started as an instructor in the army. Um, and most of my coaching qualifications, particularly early on, were in other sports. So I carried on playing football uh, for as long as I could uh, before eventually going on the the old FA half badge and full badge courses um, in 1998 the UEFA was introduced over here and um, we were invited onto what was a conversion course at the time um, and for someone with my background um, it was quite intimidating particularly in the first few days uh, when I was sat in a room with all these international players, international managers, Premier League, ex-Premier League. Um, you know, over the course of that first week, it then it became a little bit more natural when I realised that I might not have their experience, uh, but certainly in terms of uh, knowledge base, I, I wasn't intimidated anymore. I realised that I had plenty to offer. So, yeah, so that's quite an interesting introduction to coaching. I guess my perception of the army is it would all be very um, sergeant major and shouting and screaming and stuff. Has that, um, was that your coaching experience? Was it quite command? And has that um, influenced your coaching style at all? So, you know, Q&A versus command versus trial and error, etc. Has that made any difference to your coaching style? Or is that just a, um, a crazy preconceived idea that has no bearing in reality? Um, I think that it's it's not such a crazy idea, I guess, when you when you look at that background. But but actually, a lot of the coaches that I experienced as a player um, within different units in the army were were football coaches. So they did have that sort of mix of um, mix of styles, mix of approaches. They they certainly weren't all command shouty shouty type coaches but actually the the prevalent fa style if you like during that period was very much a command style stop stand still coaching um obviously that did have an impact on me when i first started to get into it but i think that as long as players can see that you know what you're talking about um and and you've got clear ideas and you're able to get the ideas across properly then I don't think players mind too much uh, what your style of coaching is. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, so your new book is, um, I've got it on pre-order. Um, it's really interesting to me and, and couldn't be timed better with, uh, with us all in lockdown at the moment. Um, the book is um, all around um, a systematic approach to uh, planning a football season and it's called Through the Thirds. So could you give us a bit of an idea on uh, how you got the idea for the book um, and what coaches can expect uh, if they were to buy it, please, Tony? Well, first of all, 
I never really thought that I'd ever write a book, um, but I share a lot of content mm -hmm. on social media, um, whether it's stuff that I originate when I'm creating session plans or stuff that I've collected over the years. And, um, and this really came about because I wanted to uh, raise some money for the Huntington's Disease Association. And uh, basically, what I did was I uh, I put um, a syllabus together uh, with with other members of staff at the club, um, and I didn't really think that there's a there was there was a book out there that that covers everything, if you like, in terms of the different areas of the pitch that people play in and, and what happens in different areas of the pitch. There's some quite generic stuff out there, but I wanted to try and give an idea of, of what a um, what a syllabus might look like in terms of not only playing out from the back, but playing through midfield, then finishing the attack when you get into the final third, what defending looks like in each of the thirds, what transition looks like in each of the thirds of the pitch. Um, so I added in some additional stuff on uh, formations, different formations, some additional sessions on warm-ups, passing drills, rondos, that kind of thing, and then just listed some typical sessions uh, that I might do uh, across the course of a season that give the players uh, and the team a full experience of the different areas of the pitch certainly when i first started coaching you would be given a bag of balls some bibs and some cones and just left to your own devices and then when you look back over the course of a season you might find that you haven't done any defending for example or you haven't done anything to do with transitions or counter-attacking but this way it it's like i said it's a, it's a systematic guide where you're covering everything um, from from defending to attacking and, and in and out of possession transitions. Um, the added bonus for me, as I said, was uh, that it was going to try and, if, it, if, you know, if the book sells, great, uh, but it will raise money for the Huntington's Disease Association because my wife um, has the illness um, and the idea came when I found out, I already knew that my eldest daughter didn't have the condition, but when my youngest daughter was also cleared, I just thought I'd do something to, to try and raise a bit of profile and, and, and raise a bit of money. Well, I think that's a great thing to do, Tony. My, my own book actually was um, all of the proceeds went to charity as well. Uh, it wasn't about coaching, but um, so, yeah, so um, must be quite rewarding if the book sells, as you say, to, to see that uh, you're being able to give something back to something so close to your heart. So uh, I think that's a, that's a fantastic cause. Um, in terms of, of planning a, uh, a season, uh, a pre-season and then a season's coaching syllabus, um, I've always thought, I've always been obsessed with the process and thought that if you start with the answer, i.e. what you want to get out of the end of the season, and then try and find the right process and then commit to the process, then um, then you'll get there. So whether that process be the overarching planning that you do, whether that be the blocks of work that you're going to work on, whether that be the individual um, session plans. Um, but I've always been, I've always spent so much time sort of re, um, redesigning my process because as you say, I, I haven't ever sort of found a um, a book that specifically goes into the process of planning um, 
planning a syllabus um, for a whole season. There's been bits and pieces in um, in books um, that I've taken and obviously across the coaching courses, um, you learn a lot as well and from other coaches. But um, so in, ter- in terms of um, your own, um, well, if I start with mine and then, then, then ask you yours. So, so the way I'm trying to think about it is, is I start with a one pager um, for each player, which is a four corner breakdown of their strengths and areas of focus. I then try to um, collate the areas of focus into batches of work, which then form blocks. And then from there, um, figure out sessions that will enable the players um, in the session to practice what they need to practice. Um, but as I say, when I, when I look at the process, I'm constantly thinking, well, am I missing something? Um, is this process as good as it could be? Um, and, and, and how can I improve it? So in terms of your own planning for a season, what sort of process do you go through um, and, and and what do you cover in the book that coaches will be able to pick up on? We're just about to go into the third season of, of using our current syllabus. Um, and I think that we looked at it slightly differently in that sort of we divided up the pitch and said, right, what do we need to do in here uh, that gives all of the players the best understanding of what we require, how we require our teams to play. So we looked looked at splitting the pitch into thirds. So in, in the defending third, can we look at playing out from the back? If we're going to look at playing out from the back, where does the ball go next? Uh, so we're looking then at the middle third. If we, if we just keep on the same theme of moving the ball forward, so we've got building out of the back, developing play through midfield. Then when we get it into the top third, um, what types of finishes are we looking for? How do we create those opportunities to finish? So I think that we looked at it more from a from a global perspective um, rather than an individual perspective. Um, with academy players, obviously, the idea is to develop the individual within the team. So within that, particularly as they get to uh, to a more settled position. The way that we, the way that we work with the individuals is to to come up with an individual development plan based around their position, and then give them an opportunity to tell us what they want to work on, um, and and then we'll go from there. So we'll then make sure that we give them those uh, individual learning objectives mm-hmm. in training, and give them those individual learning objectives. Um, give them the opportunity to practice those learning objectives both in training and in games and with and with some separate individual development time um the thing that i think that people hopefully will pick up from the book is is that we don't sort of chop and change we don't butterfly around um it's quite systematic so we're going to work on this so if we're working on for example on, on playing out from the back it's not just about the defenders and we ignore what the forwards are doing what what we would do or the way that we would work it for the majority of the time is um, the partner coach if you like would work on our front three or two or whatever formation we're playing stopping the defenders and midfield players from playing out of the back so there's there's that element of realism within our practices um, and as I said if you're going to work on playing out from the back they need to know how to do that under pressure it's not just about patterns of play although you know we do 
do a little bit of work on patterns of play as well. Where do we want people to uh, rotate into and, and out of and, and what happens with movements in front of the ball? Okay, interesting. So you're working in the youth development phase at the moment. Um, at what age would your syllabus start working with players um, as it relates to through the thirds? I'm just thinking of my own coaching experience. Um, I started introducing thirds probably at maybe under 10s. Um, but would you go back as far as under sevens with this? Um, does it work um, with the very young ages? Um, are they able to sort of conceptually understand uh, the, the pitch being in thirds when the pitch markings are, of course, in halves? Um, or would this start as a youth development phase syllabus? We use the concept of thirds from from the youngest age groups. So within the academy setting, um, obviously our first age group is under nines. Um, and we'll we'll still talk about thirds um, at those ages, but the emphasis is certainly less on tactics and more on individual play and small group play. Um, you know, one v one, two v two, three v three, that type of thing, with a, a real emphasis on just developing ball mastery and and space getting to use space so the, the the sort of through the thirds thing really for us becomes more prevalent at under 13 once they start playing 11 aside like i say it's there from the beginning and i think that these days because of things like fifa and because kids uh, watch more uh, football analysis probably without even realizing it on tv they get the concept of right, this is the defending third, the middle third and the attacking third. They might not necessarily know at the younger ages what elements we're looking for in each of those thirds. Um, and I go back to my time at Rotherham United when we started to uh, introduce the retreat line, for example. Um, a lot of clubs at the time, when the, the sort of retreat, line experiment came in just use the halfway line when i was at rotherham united and we're talking now 2006 maybe um we actually put the the retreat line we used our small sided pitches as thirds um because we felt that it was more realistic it, it, it allowed our younger players to play out from the back but without that massive unrealistic distance between them coming out from the back and, and being pressured by the first attacker um, and I thought that that was a much more sensible way and and would have been a, a much better way of keeping a retreat line in that to be fair I'm not really sure how many teams use a retreat line these days I, I, there was a lot of arguments about oh, well it just you know it encourages the keeper to kick it out even further but we felt that by by splitting the pitch into thirds for for the foundation phase kids, um, they got they got the concept of through the thirds as well as um, more realistic pressure. So you could still play out from the back, um, but you were going to come under opposition pressure much quicker in the game. Yeah, I absolutely love that example of um, the retreat line being um, on the third rather than the halfway line. Um, thinking back to when my lads were young enough to have a retreat line, having to be in your own half, as you say, was very unrealistic and probably gave too much time to the receiving player. Um, so 
I love the idea of the the thirds being marked out on a, on a five a side pitch and a seven a side pitch, and um, the players being asked to re- retreat to the uh, the edge of the third. I think that that would be um, awesome. I'm not sure why we don't do that more widely. Um, so in terms, I don't want you to ruin the book, and obviously I've got it on pre-order, so I'm really looking forward to um, to reading that. And obviously we don't want people to think that they don't need to buy the book. But what can you share with us at the moment, Tony, that would give us an idea on what um, a systematic approach to season planning might look like? Um, again, without ruining the book, but anything you can tell us for the podcast, um, for the coaches listening, um, on how you might go about planning um, uh, a season of work would be um, really interesting. I think the the simplest way to look at planning um, planning a full season is to is to break things down almost into onto a monthly basis. So to really simplify it, we we would work on a twelve a repeating twelve week cycle. Um, but that 12-week cycle is broken down into four-week blocks. So we'll have uh, an in-possession week, an out-of-possession week, a transitions week, and then the fourth week in each block uh, is a consolidation week. So we throw it back to the coaches then to um, to really decide what they think that they need to work on. So if they're in-possession stuff playing out from the back, for example, wasn't great or they wanted to reinforce something then on that consolidation week they would go back to that then the next block of four weeks would be the same again in possession out possession transition but in a different area of the pitch so effectively we have a 36 week uh, working plan which is three 12 week cycles repeated Um, add on to that uh, four or six weeks for pre-season whenever we bring the kids back in and there's your season there's your season in a nutshell really okay makes sense so you've got um, a 12-week cycle that repeats and then within each 12-week cycle there is a block of four weeks and um, first week is in possession second week out possession third week transitions and then consolidating in the fourth week so if we go down into individual sessions then tony um, how are you uh, structuring the challenges for your players? So do you have a group challenge for every player and then perhaps a unit challenge for the back four and midfield when playing out um, and indeed the forward line um, and then perhaps individual challenges um, on top of that? Um, do coaches tend to um, focus on a few in each session that they really want to work on or is it much more sort of unit and group based? I think for us it's um, it's much more unit and group based. The, the, as I said before, the players have got their individual learning uh, plans and within the sessions there will always be an opportunity for for them to practice those little bits of their ILPs. So if we go back to them at the end of the session and say right what are your ILPs uh, that you're currently working on blah 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 Um, have you had a chance to to practice on them within this session the answer should nearly always be yes at least one of their ILPs will have come out in the session Um, so there's not so much an individual challenge set for every session so the coaches are working more with the 
units and the group on the topic um, for the day and not necessarily with the individual who's left to um, to take ownership of their own IDP. Is that correct? Yeah, that's um, that's kind of the way it works. I think that there's not enough um, there's not enough people that are prepared to put the responsibility onto the kids for learning. Yes, as coaches, we've got to provide that framework. We've got to provide the structure. We've got to provide the the technical input. But the players, um, particularly as they get older, uh, have got to take on some responsibility for their own development. And it's too easy to spoon feed people all the information these days. They've got to want to show that little bit of desire and commitment to to get on, I suppose. I love that and totally agree with that, Tony. Um, I think player-centred and and player-owned learning is the way that it's um, it's going to work if you're constantly pushing uphill um, to try and almost force players to learn, then you're uh, you're never going to get as far, uh, in my view, anyway. So um, just to finish us off, um, why should people buy through the thirds? And um, apart from the very good cause of um, you know that you're supporting. Um, what what are coaches likely to get out of it, um, and and how is it different to other books on the market? Well, yeah, like you say, it's it's first of all, it's supporting a good cause, but in terms of there's so much information out there for coaches uh, these days. I just thought that by by putting the book together this way and and really making sure that without doing too much, covering all the areas of the pitch, um, with both in and out of possession and in transition, I, I, I don't think I've seen that elsewhere. And and in terms of if, if I was a uh, if I was a grassroots coach or a grassroots club looking to put a curriculum together, this would actually without doing too much, I could do it straight out of the book. Um, I could take it from one end, one end of the pitch to the other, um, and back again, and and have a a small selection of of sessions for for each of those topics. Like I said, I think I've covered twelve or twelve different areas within the book in that respect, um, and I've done three or four sessions for every one of those twelve areas. Add that with to the formation stuff, the roles and responsibilities, and I think it'll give most coaches uh, a pretty good start to to putting something together. Um, and like I say, at the same time, uh, putting putting some money into a, a charity that's not well known, not well supported, particularly uh, very niche, um, but a very good cause. Um, thanks for asking.